WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana, where you don't need to be an expert if you learn something new every day. On the road, Ernie washed his own socks and underwear, pressed his own slacks and shirt sleeves. He never expected Jerry would do any of it. But when they went home to Dana, he fell back into the care of his loving mother, who would do all of it, and then some. It was enough to drive a wife to drink, I tell you. Hello, I'm Ernie Pyle, the Hoosier Vagabond, and this is that girl who rides with me. I am very wild, earnest. Welcome to the Ernie Pyle Experiment, Episode 4, My Mother. Now, let's catch up with Jerry as she sits in Ernie's childhood bedroom, talking to her old boyfriend, Jim. I'm thirsty. Aren't you thirsty, Jimbo? You hiding anything? Oh, I got something around here. Well, looky here. <laughs> Ain't that just the best sound, Jim? Name me another, and you get the next swig. Can't hear you. <laughs> ah, I'm so tired. Ah. I hate when this happens, Jim. Some sort of sleeping sickness or something. Uh, I don't know where Ernie went to. His typewriter's empty. Stick of something here beside it. Let's see. Well, hmm. <laughs> looks like he's making the most of our time here. One looks complete and parts of a few others. Nah. I'll look these over later. Maria was just here a few minutes ago. She can't give up on us buying a place here. I let her talk. This is the last place I'd ever live. I sure wish we went on to Chicago instead. You're thinking about driving up there, are you? Oh, you want me to finish that stack of half-baked ideas for you? Who says they're half-baked? Most of them only been quarter-baked. <laughs> I see that. Well, don't go all in. I mean, you could put some ideas down for me. Gee, thanks. Well, get your own column, then. Oh, you don't want to start anything with me right now. Your mother was just here. Was she now? Nagging me about being on perpetual vacation. She's telling me about a trip she took to Niagara Falls and she didn't want to go did you know that? I don't understand that. Yeah. Think being used to the road is the same kind of sickness as being used to home? Don't dash all my hopes, little sad man. You better sit your wondering ass down in that chair. You have a business to run. Yeah, I know. We can't think anything. Well, maybe I'll take this machine out and talk to some fo- Say, is this thing on? Maybe. You can't do that to people. Turn it off. It's a sneaky business doing that to folks. It's when a fella gets in a bind that his own ethics and morals get rewritten. 
In this case, for Ernie, he was feeling bound up tighter than buttermilk in a straw. He needed some ideas. And so it was that on this morning in Dana, Indiana, he turned his pencil around and used the eraser on his list of personal rules. All right, then, trying to hide this thing here so much nobody sees it. Morning, Ernie Pyle. Well, hello, Clarence Porter. I'm at the uh, Clarence Porter's Barbershop in downtown Dana, Indiana. Ernie, your mother said you were coming. Oh, howdy, Dick. How is the life insurance game? What game? Nobody has any money for that. Well, sorry to hear it. So am I. So is everybody. Well, what are you doing with yourself these days? Nothing. Get my hair cut. Me too. Good day for it. If you've got any. Oh, is that directed at me? <laughs> I have some back here behind my ear somewhere. Uh-huh. Ernie, your mother said you'd be in town. She's the one to tell most of my secrets to, Phil. I believe you. Hey, looky here. Can you guess what this here stack of papers is? Looks like a backstock of the Indianapolis Times to me. And who do you think that funny-looking oh, fellow is? Oh, all right. Looks familiar. <laughs> I guess, says the Hoosier Vagabond. The Hoosier Vagabond. Clarence, the Hoosier... Vagabond? Everyone heard you, Phil. You aren't from Bloomington. A Hoosier, it says. Boilermaker Vagabond doesn't have any ring of truth to it, Phil. Because you're always working or because you couldn't get in? (laughs) You have to be smart to get into Purdue. Here we go. Yeah, Yeah, you only think you're smart. That school down in Bloomington puts their nose up and thinks it makes our laws and our culture and everyone down there just sits around and thinks and philosophizes. But when you need something done. Well, that's another story now, ain't it, Mr. Vagabond? When you need someone to make you a building to do all of that thinking, then where do you go? Purdue, Purdue, Purdue. Can you imagine a Hoosier thinking a limestone quarry into blocks? Then trying to guess how to use a pencil, geometry, then stacking those blocks into theaters and courthouses and wherever else they need to congregate and do more thinking. Aren't we all Hoosiers? Well, I thought so. How long you in Dana for then, Mr. Oh, Hoosier another day or so, Phil. Well, you can see from that stack of papers there, we mm-hmm. keep your column and throw the rest away. Oh. Even someone from Bloomington ought to realize what an honor that well, is. Well, okay then. That's because we're proud of you. Here, here. Well, that's the truth, pile. Well, thank you, boys. But if you weren't such a damn good writer, we'd throw them all out. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Well, you write good. Well... What's that now? I write well. (laughs) Well, ain't you just as humble as the rest of Bloomington, trying to confound everybody with your rules? I don't get it. And you might if you'd gone to Indiana University instead of Purdue. <laughs> oh, all right. Laugh it up. Laugh it up. Hey, hey, you're up, Ernie. Oh, okay, Claire. How about a shave, clean up my neck maybe a little over the ears? Okay. What are you going to write next? You know, fellas, that is a good question. I've been with the folks now for the last 24 hours, and all I can think about is them, so... Maybe something about my mother, but I don't want to make her too famous. Hot towel! Hot towel! Hot towel! Hot towel! I was wondering how long it'd take to shut him up. You ought to tell your mother she needs to bake more cakes. She is the best cake baker around. Jewel and Genevieve Walker's wedding cake she made was the favorite cake I've ever had. That was over 20 years ago, Dick. I remember it like it was yesterday. The end of my Sunday tie dipped into the frosting. I smelled like vanilla and lavender for a whole year whenever I put it back on. Oh, boy, she can bake a cake. I tell her every time I see her, but she refuses to make me another. Maybe it's your funeral. 
Well, that'd be my luck. She voted for Al Smith. I can't get over that. She and Will, too. Ahead of their time. Yeah, would you shut up about Hoover, Phil? Roosevelt lovers. You all think his plan's gonna work? You are dumb. If Hoover had no. a chance to He had more than two years to do no. something, no. then when it comes no. time no. to campaign no. for the no. next term, hey, because hey, Roosevelt... Hey, 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 you like wanna a... talk about politics? You can do it outside. Let me say something about Maria Pyle that nobody can argue with. Last winter, there was influenza going around. Almost reminded me of 1918, when the Butler twins died and the Johansson baby. Well, that's what got old man Cruppert. Well, last winter, some kids were real sick in town. And your mother, not wanting it to get any worse, she went around helping everybody, uh -huh. making soups and tinctures, right, yeah. and, and generally that. just helping out whenever someone asked her. She, she helped with the body when my Aunt Alpha uh -huh. died. Most people would just make themselves scarce. Wish she'd make me a cake. That woman is a saint. That's a myth. Now, why would you say such a thing? Well, I just have the whip and switch scars to prove it, Clarence. Oh, That's all. quiet now. I can't get the shaving cream in the right places oh, with you I'm turning right. your head oh, okay, all the time. Okay, Claire, I'm sorry. Now, the only myth is that she's a legend, dogammit. And that's a myth worth propagating, isn't it? For her it is, I'd say. Here, here. Here, here, sure. Say, Ernie, have you hey, seen what they're doing? don't ask a fella questions with a razor on his neck. You want me to pepper you with all sort of inquiry when I shave your ugly face, Phil? I don't <laughs> think I'm getting a shave today, Claire. Well, you ought to. Your face looks great with a nice hot towel stuffed in your mouth. Oh, go on <laughs> your, now. Your typewriter's making noise, Ernie. Later that afternoon, when Ernie returned to the house, he found Jerry sleeping. A sleeping wife has its benefits, he always thought. On the one side of things, it is good for getting some writing done uninterrupted. The other side of that Jerry-shaped coin, he approached with trepidation, for whenever she began sleeping her days away, all Ernie could see were dark clouds on the horizon. His flight response at that point in time hadn't yet developed into its fight counterpart. That would come seven years later in North Africa for our intrepid correspondent. Until then, ignoring a fight was a useful tactic. For Ernie, it was best to let sleeping wives lie. So with nothing else to do, he commandeered boyfriend Jim to see if it could be useful in rounding out his next story idea. I'm in the kitchen at home, about to surprise Aunt Mary. She's out in the garden. And, well, it looks like she's about ready to come in with the dinner chores, so. What's for dinner? Oh, meat, potatoes, carrots, and beans. All the colors of the rainbow. Boiled, boiled to taste. taste. Oh, <laughs> well, stand up and let me look at you. <sighs> oh, I sure miss you, Ernie. I miss you too, Aunt Mary. I sure do. Oh. Mm. Oh, okay, enough of that. Here, snap the ends off these green beans. You know, I'm not sure you know what it's like with you now. 
Folks over in Indy, I don't even know, talking about your column. Is that right? Oh, you bet it is. It's, have you read Bernie today? And oh, did you see what he said and what not? Mm, you don't say. Yeah, you're getting good at it. Mm. I consider myself one of the lucky few that get a personal letter from you to boot. There's more than just a few of you, I can assure you. Who else do you write to? I, I write to you, Mom and Dad. And look, there's just a whole mess of other folks. And I look at it like this. Before I start in on the race... Like to take a few laps around the brickyard first, get the engine warmed up. <laughs> well, that's smart. Well, that's why you get letters by the pound, my dear Aunt. <laughs> well, if you slowed down, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> now, don't do that now. I'm just saying, if you did, I wouldn't complain. I get to feeling obliged as well. Yeah, sure. I set and scribble one out to you every day, it seems, at least as fast as they come in. Really? Well, sure. Maybe they're getting lost in transit then? What? Did you get the one about your mother arguing with Pastor Strader about the new hymnals? I did not. Well, what happened to it? How should I know? What is this story about the hymnals? Well, same songs, new numbers. Oh, boy. Mm -mm. <laughs> Apparently, salesman got to Pastor Strader, convinced him he needed new hymnals. Got every business in town to advertise oh, on no. the pasted paper inside the front and back cover oh, and a dozen pages before the table of contents. You get me? I sure do. Mm -hmm. So everybody paid $5. Seed and feed, grocery, Clarence's barber Clarence? shop. Clarence? Mm. Well, he doesn't even go to church. <laughs> he knows what side his bread is buttered on. <laughs> I suppose so. And the church didn't get $1 from the selling of those advertisements. Just free hymnals that we didn't need. Yeah. Pastor Strader's undoing is that How Great Thou Art is now number 287 when it used to be 39. Number 39, sure. So when he called out the hymn to uh -huh. sing, everyone went to 39 and then all of heck broke oh, loose. Oh, no. No, I don't know why everybody knows the words. But there was so much shuffling in the pews. Oh, folks trying to find the new page. <laughs> Carolyn had to restart the intro on the organ at least five times. Oh. <laughs> well, then your mother saw the advertisements. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. She stood right up on the pew. Oh, you've got to be she joking. She did, I tell you. Well, what was Dad doing? Oh, well, he went the other way. He sunk as far as he could to disappear. I bet. <laughs> and everybody sat down and got real quiet. And then she said, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a oh, den boy. of thieves. And oh, she marched boy. right out of there. Oh, boy, I tell you. Now, I laid that all out in a letter to you last April. This is the first I've heard it. Well, and the very next day I wrote you another, and you didn't write back about any of that one either. That one was about the liniment man. <gasps> Remember the time she threw that wad of dollars at the liniment uh, man? Yeah, I sure do. She's a righteous woman. Oh, you don't say. So both letters lost? Now, how can that be? Let's see. I get your letters delivered here in Dana. When I pick them up from your mother, I give her my letters back to you to send off from mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Do you think your I mother I think you is... may have an editor. Oh! Maria! Maria! <laughs> Someone's in trouble. <laughs> Do you think he's pushing too hard on those typewriter keys? Ernie is working in his bedroom. It's late at night. What we can't see is that Jerry is asleep in the room with him. My guess is that he wants to wake her up. But if he tussled her hair or tickled her feet, 
she'd awake like Vesuvius. I think he wants her help or her blessing. But the sound of his typewriter keys hitting paper is just a lullaby to her ears. Why don't you ever just use the paper release? Shh, I'm sorry. Woke me up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Shh. <sighs> do you want to hear the latest? You're only getting one out. Why don't you do one better? If, if you think you can do it so fast, you step in here and I'll take a nap. What the hell else is a girl supposed to do around Shh. here? Jerry, you're going to wake up the whole house. I don't care. Shh. What? All right, listen to me now, please. Now, I'm not trying to start a fight. All right. Oh, we're fighting now, no, are we? No, we're not fighting right now. What the hell else do you think Keep I'm going to do when you start a conversation with that? She really calms a person down, lays their hackles right to bed just before no, you I, yank I, off I the covers. I am just trying to get a point across. Just say it, your bird brain. All right, then. Are you headed down the path? Oh, what path? The path that starts with you sleeping a lot and ends with you out in a no, ditch somewhere. No, I'm not. I'm fine. Define fine. Fine? Oh, of superior or best quality, of High or highest grade, choice, All excellent right. or admirable, right. informal in an Shh, excellent manner, very keep well, fine a sum of money imposed as a penalty, fine. a fee fine. paid by a few You're fine, the sure, very well, very good, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be finer if you go get us some more of this here white lightning sauce. <laughs> because you need a boss, and that's me. <laughs> you have a deadline, young man. Do you want to hear this or not? I'm sorry. Go ahead. My mother would rather drive a team of horses in the field than cook a dinner, but in her lifetime, she has done very little of the first and too much of the latter. She has had only three real interests, my father, myself, and her farm work. Nothing else makes much difference to her. And yet, when I left home in my late teens to be gone forever except for brief visits, she was content for me to go because she knew I was not happy on the farm. My mother is living proof that happiness is within yourself. For a whole lifetime, she's done nothing but work too hard. And yet, I'm sure she's been happy. She loves the farm there outside Dana, Indiana. She wouldn't think of moving to town as the other retired farmers do. She'd rather stay home now and milk the cows than go to the state fair. She's the best chicken raiser and cake baker in the neighborhood. She loves to raise chickens and hates to bake cakes. My mother probably knows as little about world affairs as any woman in our neighborhood, yet she is the broadest-minded and most liberal of the lot. I don't ever remember her telling me I couldn't do something. She always told me what she thought was right and what was wrong. Then it was up to me. She is a devout Methodist and a prohibitionist, yet she and my father voted for Al Smith in 1928 because... They thought he was a better man than Hoover. Some of their neighbors wouldn't speak to him for months because they voted for a Catholic and a wet. But they didn't care. They're always doing things they think are right. My mother has quite a temper. I remember once when the liniment man came and said, 
we hadn't paid him for a bottle of liniment. Well, my mother said we had. Man said we hadn't. So my mother went and got the money, opened the screen door and threw it in his face. He never came back. She always tells people just what she thinks. A good many of our neighbors have deservedly felt the whip of her tongue and they pout over it a while, but whenever they're in trouble, they always thaw out and come asking for help. And of course they get it. My mother is the one the neighbors always call on when someone gets sick or dies or needs help with of any kind. She's practically raised a couple of kids besides myself. She's always been the confidant of the young people around here. My mother doesn't realize it, but her life has been the life of a real prairie pioneer. You could use her in a book or paint her picture as one of the sturdy stock of the ages who have always done the carrying on when the going was tough. She isn't so well anymore, but she seems to work harder than ever. We try to get her to rest, but she says, oh, the work has to be done. We say, yes, but you don't have to do it. Supposing you were gone, the work would still be here, but you wouldn't have to do it. But she doesn't understand what we mean. It's good. Thank you. Is there a better way to, to just say uh, liniment man? Also, like traveling sales? I wanted to be more Specific, of a... yeah. Vendor... Merchant, trade. oh, peddler. Peddler? Mm-hmm. Peddler. What's more appropriate? Liniment, liniment peddler. No. No, I think liniment, ah, liniment man, I don't know. I, I understand why you're th thinking there might be yeah. a better one, yeah. Thinking too hard on this? Mm-hmm. Just keep it. Say, are you gonna do anything with the stuff from the barbershop? I don't know, I would. Probably would if this thing didn't record everything. I feel like I'm competing to tell a story with the darn thing. You have a contest against it, like John Henry. And didn't he die? Yeah. Let's turn this thing off. <laughs> Next time on the Ernie Pyle Experiment. I was talking to Camp Miller, and he told me about his storefront window getting busted out. Yeah? It seems someone drove through it. Yeah? Have you seen the front end of your dad's car? Speaking of bad drivers, did, what do you think made dad drive through that window in town? He told you? Well, I saw his fender. He told me just that he did it, no detail. Well, then you know more than I do. Why don't you go down and ask Kent Miller at the dry goods? I'm interested in that answer myself. I watched the whole thing happen from right here. Really? Yeah, okay. Your father turned in the road. Mm-hmm. Kept right on turning, hopped the curb, and right through the window. I don't understand that. So what made you a jackass for driving through the window? If I told you, you'd probably put it in a story in a newspaper. Oh, I wouldn't do that. That <laughs> you wouldn't. Dad, I would never do that. See you next week, folks. Until then, I'm Dan V. Prescott, reminding you that the good road will never end if you can only stay on it. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was created by Michael Brainerd with a little help from the great Ernie Pyle. Episode 4, My Mother. Jerry Pyle was played by Greta Lind. Ernie Pyle, Michael Brainerd. Aunt Mary, Jan Lucas. Clarence Porter, Gerard Powells. Dick, Steve Scott. Phil, Tom Trent. Dan V. Prescott, Tim Grimm. Carry on and on, Peter Spellos. 
Executive producer at WFIU, John Bailey. Sound director, script editor, and co-executive producer, Russell McGee. Writer, director, and co-executive producer, Michael Brainerd. Sound design, Jesse Brewer. Composer, Ryan Chase. Music assistant, Francis Crishone. Foley artists, Brian Barnes and Nicholas Crone. Production assistants, Brian Barnes, Chancellor Edmiston, Jason Fruits, and Nicholas Crone. A very special thanks to the Ernie Pyle Legacy Foundation, promoting the life and work of the great Ernie Pyle. Another special thank you to the Media School at Indiana University. The Ernie Pyle Experiment was produced at WFIU on the campus of Indiana University. Find past episodes wherever you access your media at WFIU.org. WFIU, Bloomington, Indiana. I'm Carrie O'Nanon, and now... I'm also carry grizzly bear spray. Go ahead, Cupcake. Make me spray.